Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Hello. Thank you. Let's start with a prayer. I want to invite you to stand up. Um, I don't know if you are conscious before who you are. I know that many times we come to church. Uh, and by the way, the church is not that building. This is the church. Look at each other and say, you are the church. We are the church. And when we gather, it says that the presence of God is there. You need to believe with all your heart that God is in this place. And we need to be reverent. We need to honor his presence with our external attitude and with our internal attitude. And I want to lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer, but I'm going to ask you to make it with all your heart and believe that God is listening to you and that this prayer has the power to change not only your attitude, but also what you are going to receive from God. Amen. Close your eyes, please. And I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands and say in the name of Jesus, I open my heart and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come into this place. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to take control of my mind and my heart. Help me understand your word. Help me receive it. Help me apply it and help me change according to what you speak to me. We welcome you and we ask you to move freely in this place, in my life, and after tonight as well, in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I want to share something with you that, um, oh my gosh, everything moved in my iPad. Ah. Okay. Yes, I know I can do it. That's not a problem. My problem is my iPad. <laughs> uh, anyways, I, I want to share with you something that God spoke to me many years ago. And in these past weeks and months, I, from hearing, you know, I, I like to listen to people. I, I like to sit down and, and pay attention to what people are saying. So I'm going to put the timer too, sorry, because otherwise I'll speak until midnight. And I, I don't know, you're going to be appreciative of that. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to shoot for 30 minutes. Okay. Like just be patient. I haven't preached in a while. So I like to talk sometimes too, but I'm a good listener. Like as I was saying, and in listening to people, I've realized that many people are struggling with the same thing. I struggled 15 years ago. Uh, and it's not that I struggled once. I struggled for years with the same thing. Uh, I don't know. By the way, I'm Pastor Oni. If you didn't know me, I know some of you. Uh, you haven't been coming for that long, and I'm not a very public face. I'm, I'm the, the wife of Pastor Pablo, and I usually am in the back observing everything and taking care of my little two kids, uh, making sure they're not making a mess and running around like they want to sometimes. Uh, and... Where was I? Sorry, pregnancy. I'm pregnant. I'm not fat. Okay? <laughs> pregnancy brain. Um, but what I was saying is that as I've been listening, I've, I started recognizing a struggle I went through many years ago for years. I came to this country, or that's where I was. I came to this country when I was 17 years old. I'm from Argentina. Uh, and I look blonde because even though I was born and raised in Argentina, my parents were born and raised in Argentina. Some of my grandparents were born and raised in, in, in Argentina. All my great-grandparents and some of my grandparents were born in Europe. They're Ukrainian, Russian, and Polish. And they ran right before the Second War uh, from those countries. 
They escaped the war. They arrived to South America in extreme poverty. And after growing in, in Argentina, my, even my great-grandparents and some of my grandparents, they lived there the majority of their lives. They um, bought houses, they worked in Argentina, they went to the market, they went to church, they made friends. But my great-grandparents, uh, even though I met them, they were still alive until I was probably like 16 years old. I couldn't talk to them because I never learned Spanish. I don't know if it sounds familiar, <laughs> but now English. And my grandparents, my, my husband makes fun of one of my grandmas lovingly because he says that she speaks like Yoda. Everything is the other way around, you know. <laughs> um, and, and she lived the majority of her life. She went to Paraguay when she was only, I think, six years old. So even though she lived all her life in, in South America, she speaks still wrong in Spanish. And then when I came to this country many years later, I understood what they went through, you know, and I could listen to them. I grew up in Argentina and I consider myself Argentinian. And I remember listening to my grandparents saying, oh, there's no bondiola like the one in Poland. Bondiola is like um like a, a kind of sausage. There's no potatoes like the ones we had in Ukraine. There's no women and men like the ones we saw in Russia. Always comparing their countries to the country they left from. And then when I came to the United States and I was 17, uh, I, I didn't come because I chose. We didn't come with my family because we were having a rough time in Argentina. We were doing fine. We had our house. My parents had jobs. My mom is a, a professional nurse. My dad was a pastor. I was going to a really good school. We, I, we had a lot of friends, family. We came because God gave my parents a word to come to the United States. And when I came with all my family, my parents and my sisters, that is, I realized that I felt I was a victim of my parents' decision. Bear with me, okay? Some of you might not, you know, you were born and grew up here and you're not understanding where I'm going with this, but just pay attention. Be a good listener today, yeah? Okay? And I remember going through a conflict of, I don't like this country. I don't like the language. I don't like the culture. I don't like the people, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way their jokes, you know, like Saturday Night Lights. Why people, you know, laugh so much? It's so such a dumb humor. The Simpsons, you know, what's a big deal? You know, uh, family Guy back then, you know, it's like, why is that? Why, why is people finding that so funny? Like I couldn't under, understand not even the sense of humor. I couldn't understand the way of communication and I didn't like it. And I remember struggling for years because I was physically here, but my heart stayed in Argentina. And I was all the time comparing where I was to where I wanted to be. I was all the time comparing my, my, the people I knew here with my friends over there. How popular was I over there and how rejected I was here. How I didn't like the culture here and how the culture was so much better over there. And I lived for years comparing, um, playing down what I was offered to me, rejecting what I had and the opportunities I had, uh, really disliking everything to the point that for the first six years, I refused to speak English. And I was valedictorian in high school, not to pride myself, but I was like, what a generous country. I don't even speak English and I'm valedictorian. That means pretty much anybody can be valedictorian in this country. Not to, and again, that was my mentality over there. Now I understand what I'm gonna explain later. But everything was bad, everything was wrong, everything was ugly, everything was less than. And for years I was feeling, like I said, a victim of my parents' decision, a victim of God's word. 
And if people were telling me, why don't you go back? Well, God told me to be here. I'm just obeying God. Have you heard that? But your demeanor, it's pitiful. And if that is obeying God, then let's not obey God. That, that's, sorry, this is Formation Friday, and that's why I like Fridays and not Sundays. <laughs> but that, that was the impression I was giving, that if obeying God is so miserable, why would people want to obey God? But I was a victim of the obedience of God. I'm following God's will, whether I like it or not. And I love my mother-in-law. She has a phrase that says, There's, God doesn't need martyrs today. Thank you. Thank you. You're my fan number one. I know that. But I felt a martyr. You know what's a martyr, right? Like the one who dies for God's will. And I was like, I'm leaving everything for God's will. But one day, I remember I was already 20 years old. I went back to Argentina with the desire to be rebellious. With the desire to say, I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to stop everybody choosing for me. And I'm going to choose my own destiny. I'm going to choose what I know I want. I'm going to go back to Argentina. I sold my car. I had a little bit of savings. I went for three months, but with the desire to stay. And the thing is, like, everybody over there, you know, my friends, the ones I still had, my leaders from the church, Christians I'm talking about, they were like, stay here, Euni. Why would you go back to the United States? Nobody likes you there. Nobody loves you there like we do. Christian friends, imagine the devil's enemies. <laughs> And I remember entering into a conflict. Say with me, conflict. I was in an internal conflict because I knew what God wanted from me. I knew what God asked my family and me included. I knew what the will of God was, but I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to do what it felt right to me, what it was convenient for me, what I liked for myself. And I've encountered that attitude so much lately. The thought that if it doesn't feel right, it must not be good. And it feels good, it must be right. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever the consequences are. But instead of moving according to God's word, we started moving according to our feelings. And that's how I was moving back then. If it felt so wrong to follow God's will, then it must be wrong. And I need to find my own way in the world. And I entered that conflict. And for months, I was like, God, speak to me. But you know what? And I want you to write this down. I don't see you taking notes. I want you to take notes. Take your phones out just to take notes, not Instagram, not Facebook, please. And write this down. God will not answer prayers that you are not willing to obey. God will not give you direction when you are not willing to obey. He will stay quiet until in your heart you are willing to obey. As long as you want to do your own will, he doesn't have no obligation to speak to you. And sometimes we're like, God, speak to me. And God is, what for if you're going to end up doing whatever you want? And God is not speaking to me. Well, maybe now you know why. Maybe you need to check your heart of why God is not speaking to you. Because God always speaks. God always has something to say. And if he's staying silent, it's because of something. It's not because he's ignoring you. He gave his son for you. Of course, he's not going to ignore you. But if he's not speaking, it's because of something. Maybe it's because you're not willing to obey. Maybe it's because you want to blame him for the outcome of your obedience. And you want to feel a victim of God's commandments and be miserable in your obedience instead of really submitting everything to God. So 
I remember in those three months I was in Argentina, I was like, I went through that conflict and I, you know, I praise God for men and women of God that have amazing gifts of God. We went to a church and I knew in that church there was a pastor who had this, the gift of word of wisdom. That gift means that that person, when that person is with you, God starts showing that person everything that's going on in your heart. And I knew he was there and everybody was like the coolest thing, you know, oh, you have to meet Doritos. You know, like he's going to tell you everything. I was like, oh, heck no. <laughs> I don't want him to tell me everything that I know it's in my heart. But another person knowing, imagine that. Imagine if someone, if your leader, if someone in this church looks at you and then God starts showing to that person everything that is in your heart, how would you feel? How would you like it? Well, I was like that. I was like, uh-uh, mm-mm. And you have to meet the burritos. I was like, no, thank you. No, no, but he's, uh, he's over there. I was like, no, 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 maybe no, tomorrow. I said, no, no, but like, let's go, let's, let's say hi. I was like, huh? Uh, no, 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 no. And the conference ended. I was like, oof, I didn't meet the burritos. And all of a sudden, I see my sister talking to the burritos. And I was like, oh, here we go. My sister doesn't even remember. Because it was not for her, it was for me that God prepared everything. Sorry. <laughs> and I remember that she was talking to him and I, like every pe people kind of pushed me and I was like, hi. And the worst thing is he knew my ex-boyfriend. So that, that's another reason why I didn't want to meet him. He was a, the leader of my ex-boyfriend and the one that had to take him to encounter, minister to him after the breakup and, and everything else. So that's another reason of why I didn't want to meet Doritos. So, and I did have a one ex-boyfriend, it lasted two weeks, and I ended up by email. I'm just going to leave it out there. <laughs> Don't do that, but I did it. <laughs> so, Pablo talks about his ex-girlfriend, so I have one ex-boyfriend to talk about, you know? <laughs> At least one <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> that is something, right? And when, when I met him, you know, he's... he's asking according to me both of us and he's like what are you doing here and my sister's like well we come on vacation and then he's like just turns to me and he's like no what are you doing here and I knew I knew because I was praying for direction and I knew and I started crying and he he like just took me aside and he's like you know this is not your country he didn't know me by the way he just heard about me, but he didn't know me. And he's like, you know, this is not your country. You know where God placed you. You know what God spoke to you. What are you doing here? Why are you entertaining the option of staying here? He didn't know my thoughts. I mean, he did know my thoughts, obviously, but he didn't know my reasoning up to that point. But God was speaking to me and he's like, you know where God took you. You know where your place is and you know it's been rough, but because you haven't submitted to the will of God. You are saying you're being obedient, but you haven't fully submitted to his will. And he started like ministering to me and guiding me on how I should pray and how I should submit. And he gave me so much wisdom in a matter of like just three minutes. And when I went back home, I, I knew that I, if I wanted to hear God's direction, I would needed to be willing to obey. And God spoke. And, and when God started speaking, one of the stories, I, I, I have so much to share with you, but I'm, I'm sharing my testimony because I know some of you need to hear that. And don't worry, I'm going to make, make it relatable to all of you because some of you are like, I'm not in Argentina, I'm not a foreigner, I speak English since I was born, but wait, wait, I'll come down on YouTube. My, the title of my preaching, I should have started with that, but it's called Make Up Your Mind. Make Up Your Mind. When, when I started deciding, when I started listening to the word of God, God started speaking to me. Because now I was willing to obey. I, I made up my mind and I said, I'm going to obey God's will and I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to stop blaming everybody else. I'm going to stop victimizing myself. I'm going to stop saying I'm leaving this because of the decision someone else made. And I'm going to decide 
what I'm going to decide, what God is going to tell me to do, and I'm going to suck it up. Tell the person next to you, make up your mind and suck it up. Tell yourself, I'm going to make up my mind and I'm going to suck it up. Why am I saying this? When we see the story of Daniel, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Daniel chapter 1. I love that story and I love that Daniel was around my age when God spoke to me these words. The Bible doesn't, it's not very specific, but it's thought that he was around 17 years of, of age. Any 17-year-old here? Oh, gosh, I'm going to fall. Any 17-year-old? We have one, two. Okay, who was 17 at some point? <laughs> Do you remember who you were when you were 17? <laughs> A lot of memories are coming up. Junior, senior year in high school, prom, that stupidity, you know? Sorry, 17-year-olds. And the society telling us, oh, they're teenagers. Well, Daniel was a teenager when he was taken from his home. He was a teenager when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem. He was a teenager. And some of you, oh, I'm not a teenager anymore. Listen. He was a teenager when the king of Babylon destroyed everything he knew, probably killed his parents, his family, took him captive. There's, there's a, a thought, this is not in the Bible, but historians say that usually teenage boys, there's a lot of kids here, close, like, close their ears. Thank you. There's a lot of historians that agree that usually Middle Eastern kings who conquered and took teenagers into their courts would castrate them. You know what castrate them means, right? What you do to your dog? <laughs> it's not funny, but you know what that means, right? So there's a big possibility that Daniel also was castrated. Not only that, they changed his name. They changed the way he looked. They commanded him to change his language, his culture. They left him by himself without family. They secluded him and put him in, in, in a court of all kids that were very handsome, according to the Bible, very knowledgeable, very smart, but all slaves to be in the service of the king in whichever capacity the king wanted. You were 17 at some point, and you remember the, the chaotic feelings you felt. Imagine, on top of everything you felt, everything that Daniel went through. In a country that it was not his, in a culture that it was not his, in a language that it was not his, in, in a cloth, clothing that was not his, in a way of behaving that it was not his own, in a religion that was not his own, and he found himself in all that chaos, in all those changes. For two to three years, he was re-educated. So he could be in the court of the king. And he had no option to like it or not. He had no option to say anything. He just needed to obey. But there's one thing the Bible says that he did not do. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, he had three friends, by the way. But it says that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, but Daniel made up his mind, say with me, made up his mind, that he would not defile himself with the king's finest foods or with the wine which the king drank. So he asked the commander of the officials that he might be excused so that he would be not, not defile himself. They, can, they changed everything outside of Daniel. They even changed his name, which was his identity. They changed his culture, 
he, they changed his language. He, they changed everything. But he was like, in this one thing, they cannot change me. And I remember when I was confronted with the decision, am I going to obey God or not? Should I go back to the United States or not? That meant changing everything. I remember that God was like, you are going to go back, but you're going to go back with a purpose. My purpose for your life, not my purpose for your family, not my purpose for your sisters, not my purpose for your parents, my purpose for your, for your life. And your purpose is not defile you, but keep yourself for me. So when you do what I ask you to do, I'll do what I did with Daniel. We all go in life through conflicts. We all have those times in which we have an internal war. Again, many of you are not immigrants. Many of you grew up learning English. But the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you started into that conflict. You had to leave a culture. You had to leave a way of living. You had to leave a way of speaking. You had to leave behind a way of thinking. And God has taught you something different. And that conflict inside of you of should I, what should I do? And in these past months that I've seen so many people struggling with, with so many things, I've realized more than ever that you need to understand that God saved you with a purpose. God took you from where he took you for a purpose. That God spared your life for a purpose. And you are not a victim of God's will. Something that I had to understand is that in the same way that Daniel made up his mind, to not defile himself. What does that mean for us today? It means that we cannot get dirty with the things from the world. We live in a culture that is like a Babylon. I, I was, you know, I was making a study at the beginning of this year because as any parent, I also get worried in the culture my kids are going to be growing up in. As any parent that is conscious of what's going on, I think, what's going to happen in school? I'm, I cannot be all the time at school to see what they're teaching to my kids. Why are his, their friends going to try to impose on my children? You know, and I started worrying. And I remember starting the year worrying and saying, God, in what kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? And God started speaking to me about Daniel and how Daniel, when he was a teenager, he was more of a man than many men today. Why? Because he determined himself. Because he had that internal decision. He made up his mind to not defile himself. To not be like the rest. To not think about the pressure as something to give in. Many of you have been living through a lot of pressure from your family, from your friends, from your siblings, from the culture. Even the political environment we're living, there's so much pressure to believe and lean towards one opinion or the other. Everything that has been going on, the riots and BLM, and I'm not going to do a political campaign right now, but there's been so much oppression into what to believe, what to support, what to lean towards. So much pressure of if you think like this and you should act like that. If you don't think like this and you are that. And, and so many conditions from the outside world. So many conditions about how to behave and how to be really compassionate or not. If you behave like this and you're not compassionate. If you support that and you're not compassionate. Who is putting the rules of what compassion is? Who is putting the rules on what just is? According to my God, my God is the only good, just, and perfect person to really teach me what compassion, what justice really is like. And Daniel found himself in a culture, pressure from every single angle, like many of you feel. But he didn't get confused. He didn't defile himself. He didn't dilute his religion to be, ple to be pleasing to others. 
He didn't have to, to tone down his faith. He didn't have to say, well, you believe in what you believe, I'll believe in what I believe. He, no, he didn't even get in a fight. He didn't get in a conversation. He was like, I know what I believe in. I know the God I believe in. And I know he's going to rescue me. And if he called me to this time, and if he called me to this place, and if he allowed the things that are happening to happen, it's because of something. Many of you do not understand what's going on in the world. You don't understand what's going on in LA or in the country. Who's going to win? What's going to happen when that person wins the elections? And you're constantly glued to the news and Instagram to see what everybody's opinions. What is God's opinion? What does God say in his word about how you should conduct yourself? Daniel knew. He was 17 years old. Some of you are double his age and you are confused. Well, I have hope for you. If a 17-year-old with all the pressure and the, the, the threat of being beheaded was able to stand his ground and say, I'm going to continue to believe in God and I'm going to continue to follow him, then you can do it too. It says that he didn't let the outside influence to, to move him, to sway him. And even though the Bible talks about how he went along with what everybody says, apparently in his heart, he was obedient to God. In his heart, he stood firm. Why is food so important in that time? Because it was a commandment from God. It was a commandment not to defile themselves with food that was offered to other gods. Nowadays, we don't have that commandment, but look at what Jesus says. He says in Matthew 15, verse 8 through 11, write this Bible verse, Matthew 15, 8 through 11. I'm not nearly done, so if you can turn off the music and give me 10 more minutes, I will be very, very grateful. Thank you. Sorry, I, it was hard to keep it under 30 minutes. Matthew 15, I'll, I'll promise I'll hurry up. I, I can promise that though. These people honor me with their lips. Look at, look at what Jesus says. Is it in the screen? Read it. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouths, that is what defiles them. Now we don't have the problem of food. We have the problem of words. What is coming out? You can leave the music very softly. It will remind me that I need to finish, but just not to the point that I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to hurry. Jesus said it. It, it, it's not that the problem is not food, it's what you are saying that is defiling you. The, the Bible also says in Matthew 12 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Ask the person next to you, what are the words coming out of your mouth saying about you? You have heard, you know the, the saying, what you eat, you become? That's the saying, right? If you eat, a, Elijah was asking me the other day, why can't he eat everyday McDonald's? And I was like, because it's trash. And she's like, you are mean. And I was like, no, dude, it's trash for reals. And I started talking to him. If you like, there's been studies that if you eat everyday McDonald's, you not only gain weight, but your health goes down the drain. Now, we don't have the same problem as Daniel about physical food. But Jesus is talking about a different kind of food. It's what comes in through your ears, what comes in through your eyes. What are you feeding yourself with? What kind of media, what kind of influencer, YouTuber, newspaper, family member, friend, books, school teachers. 
Even theologies you are feeding from. Because what comes in goes out. You want to know what you've been feeding yourself with? Pay attention to what your words say. Do you think, you know, Jesus also says, said it, a, 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 um, an orange tree will never give apples. I don't think, no, Jesus said it different, but it's like the same idea. If you feed yourself with bad stuff, out of your mouth will not come good stuff. And if you have been saying good, good, good things, it's not because you've been feeding wrong things. What are you saying? What are the words coming out of your mouth saying? I'm going to go back, and this is when it's relatable to my experience coming from Argentina. My words said, I, glory be to God, I'm being obedient to his will. But then my attitude was complaining all the time about this country I didn't like, about the people I didn't like, about the language I, didn't, I wasn't going to learn about how I didn't even like tomatoes here. Candy is better in Argentina. Oh, dulce de leche. No, you don't even know. You know, it's like stupid things like that. Like, now I'm thinking, gosh, like, that's why I didn't have friends. Duh. What's coming out of your mouth? And does it have relation with what it's been coming in? Yes, it does. Whether you want to recognize it or not, you may see, oh, I'm above influence. I'm just informing myself. That's BS. You know that. Everything that you receive, everything that comes in will come out through attitudes, through words, through judgment, through complaining. I read this week something that it's amazing. Amazing in the sense of confrontational amazing. No, amazing. Oh, that's so beautiful. Because their princess, the one thing that made the people of Israel do not enter the promised land. The one thing that made the people of Israel do not receive the promise of God. The one thing, therefore, that will make you not receive the blessings of God is their sin. What was their sin? They had many sins. Many, many, many sins. But there, there's one thing that God was enough. Like, this is it. And he was complaining. It says, in First King, no, sorry. Numbers 14, 28 through 31st. So tell them, says God, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled, say with me, grumbled, against me will fall. What is grumbling? Complaining, whining criticizing, comparing, I don't like this like it was before. My ex-boyfriend was handsomer, or more handsome, sorry. My other church was better. I don't like this, I'm gonna move churches. I don't like this state, I'm gonna move states. Am I talking to someone? You, don't, you cannot imagine how much I heard that one last in the last few months. Oh, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to move to Texas. I'm going to go to Waco. I'm mocking you. Yes, sorry. No, sorry. Stop complaining. If God tells you move, then move. But if you move because you're complaining about what God has done in your life and where God has placed you, God will get tired. Be careful with complaint. Be careful with whining to God. Be careful with what words come out of your mouth. Be careful. Be careful. I cannot stress it enough. Be careful. Stop comparing this with that. Stop comparing what you have or what you used to have or what you want to have or what someone else has. 
If you, if God wouldn't want you to be born in a different country, in a different state, in a different family, he would have done it. But you were born in this country or you came to this country or you were brought to this country. And you might think it was, it's because of someone else. No, God allowed it. And in the same way, it says in Daniel 1 that God allowed Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to take captive Jerusalem and take captive Daniel. He allowed you to be in this place. Stop complaining. We live in a place, we live in a country where even Christianity, it's not faithful to the place God has planted them in. The first thing they don't like, they move to the world, they move to another church, they move there because they found a better job, they move to another state. Have you asked God what He wants? Or you're just speaking out of what you are being fed with? Because if the Word of God is feeding you, then that's not the Word that comes out of your mouth. Complaint does not come out of your mouth when God is the one that feeds you, when He is the bread of your life. But if you've been complaining even about your family, you couldn't, you, you, yeah, your family you cannot choose. But God allowed it. God allowed you to be born into that family as wrecked as it is. As good or as bad, as, as messed up, as dysfunctional as it is, God allowed it. Are you going to trust God or not? That is faith, trusting God. What did Jesus say? They worship me. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Are you one of those? Are you one of the people that say, I believe in God, I have faith in God, but then you're complaining all the time without even thinking that God gave you that family, that God gave you that house, that God gave you this church, that God gave you this state. I didn't like California when I came in. I didn't like this country. But God confronted me. He's like, I'm taking you there because you're going to be like a Daniel in that place. It's not about what you like. It's what about what I'm going to do with you. And it's about what I'm going to do through you. But if you're willing to obey, I'm willing to do wonders. The more I kept reading the chapter of Daniel, I understood that he chose that he was going to serve and follow God. Pastor Pablo preached last week about Elijah, remember? And when he confronted Ahab and the 400, by the way, it was like 850 because there were more false prophets. And he confronted the people, thousands of people that gathered at Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people in 1 Kings 18 verse 21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But decide. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to go wavering between what the media says and what the Word of God says? Between your past and what the Word of God says. Between the failures of your past and what the Word of God says. Between the traumas of your past and what the Word of God says. How long are you going to waver in your emotions, in your thoughts, in your opinions? And... Hebrews 16, no, sorry, James 1, 5 through 8. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts, they say with me, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Have you been wavering? It's a such person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Are you double-minded? 
Are you wavering between two opinions? Are you wavering between two truths? Are you wavering between two principles? Are you wavering between two worlds? Are you wavering between two influences? Are you unstable in everything you do? God is asking you to follow him. Because he is the true God. In Deuteronomy it says, Therefore choose me so I can bless you. Deuteronomy 28. It says, I put before you life and death, the, life, the blessing and the curse. Choose life, choose me. But we want God's blessing and still waver between two opinions, between two lives, between two ways of living. We cannot be like that. Why? Because we will receive no reward. It says, and without faith, Hebrews 11:6, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you don't have faith in God, if you don't follow him, you will not be rewarded. You cannot expect, like James said, you cannot be expecting the blessing of God You cannot be expecting God to hear you when you are wavering between two opinions. It's either everything for God or not. This world and this culture, this way of doing Christianity in this country teaches people that you can do one thing and do the other too. That you can go to church and still be sexually active before matrimony. That you can go to church and serve God and still have mistresses or mistress or whatever. Mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> That you can serve God but serve the world too. That you can give and worship God with your mouth and still sing worldly, really bad songs. That you can pray to God but trust in your boss who gives you your salary. And according to this culture, that's okay. But according to the Bible, it's not. Do not expect God to listen to you if you're wavering, if you're double-minded, if you are unstable in your decisions. The second thing that he did is that he believed, Daniel believed. It says that he spoke to the eunuch, to the, 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 his boss, and he said, I am not going to eat that, but I'm not going to make it complicated either. I'm not going to do a protest and riot in Babylon. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to do a big deal. I'm just going to stay faithful to God. And I'm not going to defile myself with something I know I shouldn't be eating. But I'm not going to make it complicated on you because it's not your decision. It's my decision. And this is what I'm going to do. And let me prove you that it's going to be good. So he decided to eat and do like a Daniel fast. That's why we call it Daniel fast. And eat only vegetables and fruits and water. No tofu. No vegan food. No sofritas in chipotle. A real Daniel fast for 10 days. And he's like, at, at the 10th day, come and check. If we look like that's not working and you're, you're risking your life and they're going to behave you, then we'll change. But I'll, I'll assure you that we're going to be fine. And Daniel and his three friends did that fast for 10 days. And it says that when the eunuch came back, he saw them way fitter, way better, way stronger than the rest that were eating the best of the best of Babylon. He fasted. Are you fasting? Are you fasting from external influences? Are you fasting from those voices that speak to you, those things that you are seeing that are not feeding your soul right, that are definitely not feeding your spirit? They fasted and they were found to be way healthier than the rest only in 10 days. 
So they were allowed to continue their diet. But it says that at the end of the three years, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, as the, for the four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all kinds of literature and wisdom. Daniel also, also understood all kinds of vision and dreams. It says that God gave them favor and grace. It says that in all things, when the king spoke with them, there was no like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. When you decide not to defile yourself with the things from the world, when you decide not to let bad things come in and bad things come out through your mouth, when you decide to separate yourself and say, I'm going to trust God, God will bless you. God will give you favor. He will give you rewards. He will give you grace. He will make you 10 times better. It says that no one was like them. No one. They were found 10 times better than anybody at their level and even higher. Many of you want to be better. And your measure of better is like someone that is next to you. No, that's not your measure of better. Your measure of better is Jesus. When you focus in Jesus, he'll make you better in everything and in anything that you need to excel. When I decided to stop complaining and stop listening to the complaints, stop listening to whatever the enemy was telling me and the comparisons and the, the, all the trash that was, I was allowing the enemy to feed me with, depression went away, away, sadness went away, comparisons went away, lack of fulfillment went away, a lot of things went away. And a lot of purpose started coming in. A lot of belief and faith in what God was going to do started coming in. When we understand that our thoughts are not the way God thinks. When we understand that the way we plan our ways is not the way God plans His way for us. And we submit to His thoughts and His ways. We'll realize that His will is good, is perfect, and it's acceptable. He didn't save us so we can be suffering through our whole life. He saved us so we can be light, so we can be salt, so we can show to this world that it's worth serving and following God. He saved us to be influenced, not to be influenced by others. He saved us so we can show others that God is a true God. That whatever everybody's following, whatever everybody's serving, is not worth the attention. The problem with this country not following God is because there hasn't been a church to really show the true God. And I'm not saying all churches are bad and only this one is good. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to say, our God will save us. Our God is powerful. Our God is worth sanctifying ourselves for. Our God is worth making up our minds so we don't defile ourselves with the world. The purpose of our God is always higher than our purpose. The ways of our God is always better than our own ways. You want a solution? The Democrats don't have the solution. The Republicans don't have the solution. God has the solution. God has the answer for this world. God has the answer for the broken families. God has the answer for the broken hearts. God has the answer for the, child, the, the, the fatherless children. God has the answer for the people that need to be re-socialized. Socialism doesn't have the answer. Capitalism doesn't have the answer. The media doesn't have the answer. BLM doesn't have the answer. Antifa or whatever organization out there, they don't have the answer. They're fighting, trying to find an answer. And the more they fight, the more an answer looks like it's not there. But God does have the answer. 
And we were brought to this land, to California, to Los Angeles, to CFF, to show the world, starting with our own families, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can get to the Father but through Him. That whoever comes to Him will not be thirsty. That whoever comes to him will be healed. That whoever comes to him will be set free from addictions, from past abuse, from codependency, from substance abuse, from comparisons. But if we don't show the power of Jesus, how can we preach about his power? If our lives are not a reflection of his power, his redemptive power, his restorative power, how will the, will the world show it? If we are still wavering between two opinions, why will others believe that our God has the answer? I want to encourage you. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I want you to repeat after me a proverb that was my Rema word many years ago when I decided to come back to this country and suck it up and obey God no matter what. By the way, it's been a blessing since I made a decision. Was it easy? Heck no. You see, the Christian life is not easy. Committing ourselves to not defile our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our bodies is not easy. Whoever told you it's easy, it's lying to you. Living for God many times is not easy, but is it beautiful? Heck yes. Is it worth it? 100%. Is there blessings all the time? Will God back you up? Yes. I came to this country. I came back to this country not because I needed this country, because I understood this country needed me. I came back to California and to Los Angeles because I understood God needed people like me in this place. I came to CFF because I had a dream of a church. The church that will show the world who God is. The church that will show that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is the best thing that could happen to anybody. And that's why I'm pastoring this church. Is the world look like it's breaking down? Yes, but I'm with God. Why should I be afraid of who's going to win the elections? Why? You see, when I have a God like the one I have, What the government can do or not will not do for me doesn't affect me because God is my provider. God is my social worker. God is my case manager. God is my judge. He's my legislator. And He will save me. And He will stand up for me. And He will defend me. That is not a green card to not vote, by the way. Vote. I cannot vote because I, I'm not a citizen yet. That's another for another preaching. And I did not get married because Pablo had papers, by the way. You know, there's that rumor, but it's not true. <laughs> but I, I know, I know God has a purpose for my life in this country. I know God brought me for a purpose. When I look at you, I can see that it was worth it. When I see this church and I see the community that hugs the brokenhearted, that believes for the one that doesn't have faith, that believes in the power of God for the one that doesn't have a family to stand with them, that has compassion the way the Bible teaches, I can tell you it's worth it. I can tell you dying to your country Dying to the dreams you once had. Dying to what you want. Dying to what you would have liked. After years of serving God, after years of following faithfully God, I can tell you 
It is the most beautiful decision I've ever made. Five months after I made that decision, I met my husband. Five months. When I decided to be faithful, you see the blessings of God started pouring upon you. God is faithful. He's loving. He wants to bless you. But He's testing you. He's seeing if you're going to submit your ways to Him or not. And I want you to pray with me. Proverbs 3, verse 1 through 6. And say with me, My God, I will not forget your teaching, but I will keep your commands in my heart, for they will prolong my life many years and bring your peace and prosperity. I will let love and faithfulness never leave me. I'll bind them around my neck. I'll write them on the tablet of my heart. Then you will give me favor and a good name in the sight of God and of men and everybody around me. I will trust the Lord with all my heart and I will not lean on my own understanding, on my own ways, on whatever I think or the world tells me. In all my ways, I will submit to you and you will make my path straight. Dear God, thank you so much because you're faithful. Thank you because when we decide to love and be faithful to where you brought us, to love and be faithful to the land you brought us like Daniel, God, he wasn't planning a revolt. He wasn't looking for a way to escape from Babylon. He decided to be loving and faithful to you in whatever plan you had for him in that land. And I want to do something symbolic with you today. I want, us, I want us all to do something that maybe you've never done. But I want us all to kneel on this land. I want you to lean, to kneel, and put your hands on the ground. And say with me, dear God. Say with me out loud, dear God. I don't know everything. And I don't need to know everything. But I want to obey you. I want to obey your will. I want to walk in your ways. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to put in my heart love for this land, love for this country, love for this state, love for this city, love for this church, love for my family, love for my co-workers, and faithfulness to your will. Because I know you brought me here. You placed me where you placed me. And I'm going to be faithful to the plan you have for me. In the name of Jesus, I commit my ways to you, Lord. I want to walk in your path. And I want you to make my path straight. Lead me and I will obey. Teach me what your purpose is and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And I want like Daniel to not only be faithful to you and make up my mind to not defile myself with the things from the world, but I want my heart to belong to you. In the name of Jesus, I give you my life. You died for me. You saved me. And you are my Lord. And you are my Savior. And I trust you. And I believe in your will. And I believe that your will is good and is acceptable and is perfect. Therefore, I ask you to renew my mind. 
to transform my understanding, to change the way I think, to change my mouth and my tongues from words that do not come from you. I repent from complaining, from speaking words that don't come from your heart. And help me, Lord, to speak your word and to commit to your ways and to your commandments. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can stand up. And I'm going to ask you to read over and over again Proverbs 3, 1 through 6. Whenever you are, again, wavering between two opinions, whenever you find yourself in conflict, not knowing what to decide, not knowing what to think, not knowing what to believe, go back to Proverbs 3, verse 1 through 6, and trust God. Trust in what He's doing. Believe in His sovereignty over your life. Believe that He is God. And he's not absent from your life. Amen. God bless you. And show love to each other. Show love doesn't mean only hugging and saying, hey, I love you. Like I love in and out. But it's caring for each other. So find people today that maybe you've never said hi to before and, and, and greet them and say, thank you for coming. It's good to see you. What's your name? <laughs> and get interest. Care for others. Show the love of God. The Bible says that we will show the world we are his disciples by the way we show love to each other, starting by the house of God. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to stop talking because I can continue.